got punched in the stomach <gasps> by an actor. Oh, my gosh. What? <laughs> yes. I got punched in the stomach by a child actor. I was setting background and, you know, just a simple scene. They're just running down the stairs out of an elementary school. But, you know, it's a lot of chitter chatter. Okay, everybody get in line, line up. We're about to go. We're about to roll. All I hear is, Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) Welcome to The Practical Filmmaker, an educational podcast brought to you by the Filmmaker Institute and Sunscreen Film Festival, where industry professionals talk nuts and bolts and the steps they took to find their success today. Find the full transcripts and more at thepracticalfilmmaker.com. I'm your host, Tanya Musgrave, and today we have Jadon Hatcher and Monique Shaw of the Atlanta-based First Team Productions. Together, they authored the book Walkie Check, Good Check. It's a guide to being the glue that holds every set together, a PA in the industry. Together, their experiences span working as a First Team PA, Office PA, and Basecamp PA for Netflix, HBO, Paramount, BET, Tyler Perry Studios, Pretty much all the studios and on production such as Stranger Things and Coming to America 2. Welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank uh, you. That's an amazing introduction. <laughs> <laughs> that introduction well, makes me very tired. <laughs> It just reminds me of sleepless nights, but thank you. You guys did it though. You guys made that intro. I just compiled it. You did. (laughs) Okay, so let's dive right in. Like, let's go back to those triggers. How did you get here, both of you? I know it's a loaded question, but what was your journey into the industry and to where you are right now? Um, I'll take it on first. So for me, like I came from corporate, mm-hmm. um, I have a background in marketing and business management. And so I've, I've been doing corporate for quite some time, especially working in marketing, being a marketing director and building companies and um, being a business developer and all those, those things, but didn't have a lot of passion to keep doing it. And I had always knew that as a child, I wanted to be in the entertainment industry at some capa- in some capacity, but um, you know, through life, hard breakups and relationships and things like that, I decided that, you know, I'm going to take a stab at this industry that I love and I have a passion for. Because when, one thing about passion, it just burns inside of you until you until you seek it, until you try to do it. It's just going to continue to burn inside of you. So I say, you know what, I'm just going to try it moved to L.A. and it just didn't necessarily work. But I knew that this was what I wanted to do. I said, let me just kind of reconfigure how I'm going to get into this industry. And I moved to Atlanta and I moved to Atlanta in September, in a September. And I was on set in October. And when I got on set, I said, this is what I'm supposed to do because I took the initiative. I prepared myself to make that move. And I knew that I needed to make that move here. And within a month I was on set. So I knew Mm. that this was what I was supposed to do and just continuing to educate myself and take classes and network. It kind of landed me on other sets. And I just kind of really just fell into the fold of working in the AD department and just really just working my way and finding my navigating my way through this industry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Beautiful. It feels like I was at that ride with you. Yes. <laughs> and, and my journey is actually very similar. I started in marketing and communications also for Verizon Wireless and mm. 
talking head videos and writing scripts for VPs. And it has to be inside of a box. And everybody's dream. Everybody's (laughs) dream. Just nine to five of robot groundhog day. And I mean, one day it was just enough was enough. I tried to incorporate a lot of my creative mind into the projects that I was doing in the corporate world. And it just wasn't sticking. So, you know, one day I just packed a box and I came home and I said, hey, husband, (laughs) I quit my job. (laughs) And he said, hey, wife, my phone works. Why did you call me first? (laughs) (laughs) Those were not words. However, I know that these kids can watch this video. So, yeah, when I was 13 years old, I was directing Indiana Jones in my head. Uh That movie, I knew I knew scenes. I knew cuts. I knew the dialogue. I knew that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I went to the University of South Carolina for media arts and I wanted to be a movie director. Mm-hmm. But I just went into the world of corporate and it just pigeonholed me. And again, I am a very impulsive person. So I just jumped. Mm-hmm. And my first job, I begged just about anyone, please let me get a start. And my start, my first start was Hunger Games. And I met what? a uh, Wait, right, what? Hunger Games. Like your first job out the gate was Hunger Games. So let me just say this to any PAs that are watching. Do not think that when you come out and you're going to just jump onto Hunger Games. Wait, okay. okay. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to back up. You got to back up. Sorry. Like, how did this happen? I asked a friend of a friend of a friend. And one day I was in Buckhead having a meeting with a guy who was at this time, he was a UPM, a unit production manager. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what that was. I just, you know, had a conversation with him and he said, have you ever worked on a set before? And I pretty much gave him my whole life story of why you are going to make a great decision by hiring me. Hey, mm-hmm. Yes. And after that, girl, off to, the, off to the races. Apparently, <laughs> my yeah. gosh, the odds were in your favor. Yeah. It, uh, yes, it was. But it's like, but it's preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. So yes. like, there is no way that he would have let you on that set had he not seen mm-hmm. what I you live by done. that saying. I live by that saying with preparation meets opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why we actually wrote the book that we did, mm-hmm. because we wanted to make sure that PAs actually had the proper preparation because those opportunities will come. Yeah. If you, if you're, if you're patient enough, those opportunities will come, but you have to be prepared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry. I interrupted you. Keep going. So basically what got me here is impulsiveness. I just jumped and then I got in front of someone and I jumped again and I told that person I can do it. But right now what is really keeping me in this mode is that I'm wanting to direct. I love this industry. I have a a voice in my creativity. And I am, you know, even though that I've had a very interesting start to my career, it's just the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I am really, really looking forward to what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that actually would lead right into one of my questions. You want to direct. Why write for PAs? Okay, I want to direct. If I direct, I need a crew. I need a responsible, reliable crew because the crew in my eyes is like a family. The reason why I say that they're a family is because we get paid peanuts. We get looked at as if 
we are the problem children, just all of us, just mm-hmm. all PAs. Yeah. But the thing about it is we are in the front lines and every time the director calls action and cut, we make it happen. Mm-hmm. I have gone through a journey in my life where I have gone from the corporate world to being probably the oldest production assistant on set. Mm-hmm. No one ever told me you need to do this. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that this is set up. You need mm-hmm. to make sure that, you know, specifics like when you are the first day on set, introduce yourself to the first AD, mm-hmm. make your presence known, be reliable communicate. There are a whole list of things that you only figure out after you get yelled at. And I think that is very unfortunate. So that's why I wrote a book. Okay. All right. So let's talk about this book. It's titled Walkie Check, Good Check. This is a complete guide to being a production assistant for the film and television industry, where we not only get an insider look into those crew roles, but also extremely foundational and hands-on info uh, about stuff like set etiquette and unions and important documents and time cards. Um, we are a fan of Brass Tacks practicality here. So tell me more about this book. Walkie check, good check is something that is said on set every day. Anytime someone gets a new walkie, someone gets a new headset, some new battery, they turn a walkie on, whatever, they have some static. They're going to ask for a walkie check and someone on the other end will say good check. And Mm. so Monique came up with this fabulous idea to name the book that it's a how to guide. You know, we have the experience that um, a lot of these PAs are looking for. And so, you know, like we really wanted something that's tangible. I've taken like several PA classes and have paid upwards to 200, 300 some odd dollars to take these classes. And though I'm able to gain a certain type of knowledge, there's only two days for the class. And then there's nothing that I can really tangibly take away when I leave this class outside of a person's phone number or someone seeing how dedicated I am to the industry. There's nothing tangible that I can personally take away from. Mm -hmm. And so I really, we really wanted a book, a guide, something that people can actually reference. Oh, I'm a walkie PA today. Let me pull this book out to see what I should expect to be a walkie PA. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? I just got hired as a key set PA. Let me pull this book out so I know what to expect as a key set PA. I want to get on set. What's in this book that can help me get on set? Well, let's look at what makes a good PA, you know? So you have these fundamental aspects within the book that really help you understand Mm -hmm. what it takes to do whatever the particular role is so that even if I don't have the time to tell you how to be a base camp PA, how Mm -hmm. to step into a hair and makeup trailer, Mm -hmm. you at least have a guide that kind of help you through those moments. Exactly. Now, each production is different. We're not saying that this is the Bible, mm. but what we are saying that it is foundational. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. So let's clarify, actually, for some listeners, the differences between these types of PAs that we've been listing, because like they don't they don't teach this in film school. Like I never learned. And, no, and that was yeah. one of the reasons why we actually wrote the book as well, because they'll teach you how to like they'll teach you how to write a beautiful script. But they don't let you necessarily know that your first job coming out of film school will be what? It will be a, a production PA. assistant. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Just to answer your question. Mm-hmm. So when you are a production assistant, the different levels, there are day players. Mm-hmm. So day players are hired to work on big background days. The first team PA may need an extra person because they have a lot of principal cast members on mm-hmm. set. There are staff PAs also. Staff PAs have been hired to be on the show, run of show. There is a first team PA and the first team PA will take care of principal cast and stunt players while on set, while on set. Mm -hmm. Base camp PAs are like mobile homes for the actors. Okay. Luxury mobile homes. They're the baby PAs that get the people through the works and they have to know the, um, the paperwork that's involved with getting them through the works, depending upon what, um, what area you're in. Some areas don't allow the PAs to touch some of the important documents that um, is needed when you're in base camp. But then you you definitely will touch some of the PRs, you'll touch the exhibit Gs. And sometimes as a, a base camp PA, sometimes you actually contact cast to let them know what their call, their call times will be for the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just various things. Mm-hmm. You also have your background PA. Your background PA is the one that's responsible, obviously, for background, getting them checked in, making sure that they go through the works, making sure that they get to set, yeah. making sure that they keep track of their time and and it's a background PAs honestly are like baby directors. Reason being because when they go to set with their BG, sometimes you have to actually work with the second second on set to help place the background, give them their move their movements, help getting them some business. Business is like certain things that they want to do, like, oh, look like you're on your phone or mm-hmm. look like you're drinking the coffee Open or something. Their yeah, like things like that. So they are really. Um, kind of like baby directors in my eyes, especially when it comes to working with them physically on set. Um, you know, then we also have our key, key our key set PA. Mm-hmm. Key set PA is kind of like that last step before you become a second second AD. It's you're really like the supervisor of the entire PA team, mm-hmm. and so you are telling people what they're going to be doing. You know, you you'll set who your base camp PA is. You'll set who your background PA is. You'll help help set up lockups. You'll manage the um, their daily out times and things like that and make sure that those get turned into the uh, the AD department. So the key key set PA has a lot of responsibilities and they really should have a mindset of being an actual AD when they are actually on set. Mm -hmm. It should be kind of like as a key PA, you should really be a bonus AD, but not getting that check. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now, if you're a production assistant for 10 years and you're comfortable, you're probably a people person and you love crews and you like to be helpful. And that's fine. If you want to be an AD, then you're really, really good and keen on logistics. Mm -hmm. And if you are a base camp first team or a BGPA, then your next step. Just a little career advice would be to be a key PA next. Mm. You have to really, really be responsible in the eyes of an AD to be appointed to be a key PA. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. You're still a production assistant, but you are responsible for communicating as if you are an AD. Mm -hmm. I need the camera crew to, to move their gear because the shot is going to be facing this way. Mm -hmm. They're going to listen to you because they know that you're right under the reins of an AD and it 
probably came from an AD. That's why you're telling me mm. to do that. Okay. Okay. So let's expand on that particular, uh, when, you, when you're saying like the people that would be good for these kinds of roles, like you find PA work for a variety of things, you know, it might be a film, it might be a TV show, maybe even commercial or shorts, um, landing on a feature or an ongoing show, it seems like a solid goal. Like I know that it might come down to personal preference, but between the different sets, could you break down why someone would prefer one over the other? Like a long-term job versus a short-term job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like actually in, in commercial, you actually want to do commercial if you want to go this direction or if you you actually want to like be on a film set, but only if you're this kind of person because you're away from family. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But like so the commercial life, you get paid better, but the okay. but you're constantly looking for work. Uh, okay. um, now, and if you're in that world and if that's your industry yeah. and that's your thing and, and your names uh, it just rings and sings uh to different ad's and things like that that's your thing you get and you can get a lot of money working in the commercial world but mm-hmm. you're only on a commercial for about a day or two um same thing with music videos mm-hmm. you'll get more money um, on the front end but um you don't necessarily have that level of longevity mm-hmm. and then also like it just depends on the person like sometimes some people like to have a job that is theirs for six months and they don't have to worry about that because it's like, you know how we are in this, in this industry, we're freelancers. Mm -hmm. And so you're only hired for the job that you're on. And then you're hired for the next job that Mm -hmm. you get. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And on a different angle, the difference between episodics and features is that episodics, which are TV series, they move fast. So you are shooting an episode in seven days. Mm. That's fast. Mm. When you're working on a feature, you may have 52 days. You may have 62 days. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You are able to stretch out the days. When you are deciding whether or not you want to work in features or episodics, you have to understand the rhythm and the pulse of a set. Mm -hmm. Can you really do a call time of 3 a.m. every morning? Now, that's your call time. These different locations that you're shooting, can you get there on time? Because fortunately and unfortunately, I have replaced someone on their job before more than once yeah <laughs> and i have replaced yeah. that person twice ah, the industry is small yeah yeah so if you can't keep up just just sit on the bench. And you know like for me yeah. i work in base camp a lot and i work with first team a lot when i'm on base and when i'm in base camp especially when we have a move i'm super dedicated to what i do yeah. and i go to work 30 minutes early every day mm. to make sure that base camp is open every day. I don't get paid for that 30 minutes. Mm. I cannot be trying to put labels on trailers and contracts and rooms and paper the rooms and things that already needs to be done mm-hmm. because cast will be landing shortly. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I need yeah. to be ready. And it's, it's all about your level of dedication. Mm-hmm. And it's always, I say it all the time. If you are not passionate about this industry, <laughs> you will not roll out the bed on time so that you can get to work where you need to be at work. Yeah. So say I am an L.A. freshman or, you know, Atlanta industry. I'm an industry freshman. First day of school. (laughs) Can you give us one of your practical tips from your book that can be my very first starting block? Let me tell you something. For me, the very first thing that I would say to a PA 
like Monique said, introduce yourself to the first AD, but get a call sheet and try your best to break your call sheet down. If you have questions, ask. A lot of the things that will happen through the course of the day is right there on the call sheet. And Monique and I were just having this conversation yesterday about some of the crazy questions that we get asked on set. And all of the answers are just right there. On the, so get a call sheet. Besides, the morning paperwork prepares you for the day. The one thing that can shoot yourself in the foot is not understanding the actual what's going on in the day what's happening yes Mm -hmm. so get your call sheet read your call sheet break your call sheet down read your side what's going on because i can guarantee you i'm not even going to sugarcoat it you're going to get asked at least 10 things through the course of the day that is either in your sides or your call sheet and one of them is going to be what time time is is lunch (laughs) and lunch is on the top top of the call sheet always yeah i think that one practical advice that i can give to someone just starting would definitely bounce off of what jadon just said and to go further and to be proactive Mm -hmm. if you know as a first team pa that your actors need to be wired Tell your AD as you're landing on set. If you know that you have 20 background actors that are about to go past their rap time, tell your second, second AD. Be proactive because the less that they have to come to you, the more they're going to ask you to come with them on their next project because you're low maintenance and you help them make their day. If you can help the AD help the director make their day, You're golden. The one thing that I've learned in this industry is that one of your key responsibilities is to make your first AD look Look good. good. That is the one thing that you can do as as a PA. Make your first AD look good. And that's a collective challenge for everyone that's in the AD department, PAs and all that you're tasked with. But whatever your role is within that department, it's your job to make your first AD look good. Yeah. So if my job, as she says, the background PA of knowing when background is supposed to wrap and letting them know, hey, we need to make sure that we get this shot done so that we can wrap these guys out. Because guess what? If we got to put them in overtime, then that costs more money. Yeah. And just to add to that, your job as a production assistant is just to report the news. Mm-hmm. That's all you're doing. You're not calling shots. You're not making decisions. Mm-hmm. You are reporting the news. Report to the second AD that these 20 background actors are about to shoot over their rap time. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's all about communication also. But if you don't get a response or if it's not an immediate reaction to what you've told, your, your hands are clean. You're free and clean. And you are now labeled as a person who communicates. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. So <laughs> I'm with, I mean, that sounds like something going massively wrong, like a bunch of these people. I mean, it's like it happens on set, right? But 
I am always a sucker for the juicy stories of when things. <laughs> we got tea, but uh, we try to build relationships. <laughs> and we got some tea like that we can give. <laughs> it's become a favorite question of mine. I want to know these stories of when something went wrong, and you know, a bonus is either how you fixed it, what you learned from it, all that fun stuff. But it's time to spill. I can give you like this crazy story. Now, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that there was an actual fix to the story, uh-huh. but something that was super crazy to me. I think that one of my weirdest experiences, I was working with this cast member and um, this cast member clearly was a little bit inebriated. Uh, right? Oh my God. <laughs> and I know this Mind you, the cast member was inebriated the day before to the point that we actually had to just say, you know what, we're not going to work today with this cast member. We're just going to bring them back, mm. come back the next day. Cast member still clearly just, you know, <laughs> again, just drop. So we're filming, the cast member is doing their work and this, that, and other thing, the cast member wraps. So I had to go back to basically, I was working with First Team on set. This is my very first time working with First Team on set, right? So the cast member had to go back to base camp to wrap out. I had to go back for whatever reason. So the cast member decides to jump in the van with me as I'm heading back to set. For me to get dropped off to set, I had to go straight. For the cast member to get dropped off at the crew parking, they had the the van driver had to make a left. Mind you, we're like in Atlanta uh, by this university. And so, you know, it's traffic and stuff. So you got to make sure that you stop yeah, so that yeah, you can yeah. make the left turn. So the cast was like, you can just drop me off on the corner and oh, I'll no. get out and walk across the street. No, well, the no, bench no. was like, well, no, we can't do that because of our union. We just yeah. can't drop yeah. you on the street. You know, yeah. she's like, I don't care. And this and other thing, oh, I'll, no. I'll be fine. And da, 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 da. I was like, I said, well, you know what? Don't worry about it. We'll just go ahead and take you to your car. Mm. So as we're getting ready to make the left turn, (laughs) the cast member jumps out the van. No. What? (laughs) We were not at like full throttle making this left turn. (laughs) But the cast member, I lied to you not. Opened the fan door, the sliding door, and got out and closed it. So me and the van driver, we were like, we still gotta make the left turn. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and we were both, we both looked at each other and we were like, he was like, did I just witness what I witnessed? Like, did she in the ground? She listen, let me tell you something. When you are drunk, <laughs> when you are drunk. Nothing happens to you. She 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 act like she did it before or something. Like oh she was probably God. jumping out of moving vehicles. Like, are you a stunt person? I, I was, was so confused. She got a stunt car. That baby, listen, it was so crazy. And so I was like, wow. Well, I mean, and what are you supposed just, to do? Are you supposed to be running after her in the middle of the road? Like, like, because it wasn't safe. Yeah. <laughs> it was the craziest experience that I've ever had on set. And I've had a lot of crazy experiences, but that was the craziest experience that I've had working as a PA. And one thing that I've had to learn as a PA is that you can only do what you can 
do. I can't make you move to set any faster. I can't make you move from set any faster. I can't keep you in a moving vehicle. I felt a little way that she was driving, but oh my star, she was driving. She had to drive home. Oh my she, stars. She, she stopped, dropped, and rolled out the van so she can get to her car. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> she was trying to get the Krispy Kreme yes, Child. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, Monique. Okay. Please, please so, indulge. I am going to just go right to it. <laughs> I got punched in the stomach by an actor. I remember you told me about this. Oh my gosh, what? <laughs> yes. I got punched in the stomach by a child actor. I was setting background and the kids just were running out of, out of the, you know, just a simple scene. They're just running down the stairs out of the elementary school. Simple enough. It's like 12 of them. But, you know, it's a lot of chitter chatter. Okay, everybody get in line, line up. We're about to go. We're about to roll. All I hear is, oh, <laughs> my like, God. oh my God, where was the child's parent? So yeah, 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 yeah. I immediately talked to the first AD and I talked to the director, but it was just the simple fact of I'm a production assistant. I already have some parameters that happen in my job environment. That's not cool. And yeah. now I'm getting punched in the stomach. By yeah. A kid. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I got some comments like, oh, he's just a kid. It didn't hurt. Bro, it's not acceptable. It's not. No. It's not professional. No, absolutely. And I, I actually that leads me to another question, because, OK, so I, I guess people are aware that there's no union for PAs, you know, like what happens if you get injured? Are you like technically under their thing? Like what if like, is there workman's comp for people who are like on PAs? You would have to do, you would have to handle it personally. Um, and, and you would have to, I, I literally just got news that one of the PAs that I was working with, I just found out that she actually got hit by a car <gasps> while on set Things on Friday, just Friday. Is as a PA, when people that are not in the industry see all the lights and all of these things that are happening, of course, they they Rubber get neck. starry eyed and things like that. And so yeah. they start to not pay attention. This individual um, actually backed into the PA. Oh, my gosh. So the PA, they would have to handle it on a personal note. Like you would obviously uh, have a situation with that person and that person's insurance company. But then you would also uh, take a suit with the production itself. Should you choose to? Yeah. You know, um, because regardless of whether you are injured, you could, you could be physically injured. You can be mentally injured. So, you know, you can take suit however you want to take suit. You you don't have the representation. You Mm -hmm. would have to seek representation. I think that production assistants need a union. I Mm -hmm. think that the things Mm -hmm. that we have to deal with is not by far minute. It is Mm -hmm. very, very large, Mm -hmm. but you have to respect yourself and everything that you do has to be done with integrity. Mm -hmm. There is not one iota that allowed me to wake up that morning and wanted someone to physically put their hands on me. Mm -hmm. No, no. And, you know, that's that's kind of a culture that is hopefully on its way out with the almost strike, I guess, that happened, number one. But mm-hmm. also, I mean, there is I mean, unfortunately, I, I know somebody who 
was on a certain set with a certain director and he got socked in the face as well. Um, he was not he was not a PA. He was actually um, he was one of the other um, the crew members. It was underneath uh, the, the second ad mm-hmm. and i was shocked because he did climb the ladder and he was just like hey this just happened the second ad punched me in the face so what do i do and they were like what did you expect that's the thing that's, that's the what thing. you do you take um, your earrings out and you put vaseline on your face and you square up no you don't do that but you definitely talk to the powers that be but that is not it's not a okay culture that's not okay yeah it's no, okay. no, 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 no. So not. and like and hopefully that that kind of industry is on its way out yeah. um, because people are a whole lot more vocal about what they have to face. So, and you know, one thing with me, I am a very, very vocal person. And I feel like sometimes, especially with some of the younger PAs, when things happen to them, they're not vocal about how it affects them and how they feel. If you talk to me in a disrespectful manner, or if you treat me in a disrespectful way, I'm definitely going to bring it to your attention that I don't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that people realize just how much that says. I mean, when you speak up for yourself, the amount of respect that you give yourself, it actually it, it there's a trickle effect that happens. I mean, um, they know that that is not something that they can do anymore, at the very least. To you. you know, like, yeah, 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 to, to you. But I mean, it, once I, I was shocked when I learned this, that once you actually did confront people, you know, in a respectful manner, of course, but I was actually shocked at how many times they backed off because they weren't expecting somebody to actually speak up about it. That actually happened to me on this production that I just got off. This gentleman was very adamant about where he wanted me to park my car in the public space. He didn't want me to park my car by the trucks where his, his working truck. And mm. he started to play games and like left a note on my car. And then um, I took the note off and I put it back on his car. And um, he knew who I was because he had approached me about it before. He knew where I, where I would be. And so instead of you putting a note on my car, you could have just easily had a conversation with me. So then the, the straw that broke the camel's back was that he pushed my side view mirror in. And I was really, really irritated at that point because not only are you leaving notes on my car, but now you could potentially put me in harm's way had I gone down the highway, not being able to see out of my side view mirror because you, unbeknownst to me, pushed my mirror in. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I actually stepped to the gentleman the next day and I said something to him about that because my thing is, I had to let him know, I'm not one of these young girls that you see walking around set that don't know my ass from my face. Mm-hmm. I said, if you had a problem with me parking there, then mm-hmm. you could have had a conversation. Let's just have a dialogue. Mm-hmm. Let's not touch each other's each other's property. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's keep the dialogue open. And keep mm-hmm. in mind, if this is a working truck, then it belongs to the production. And mm-hmm. it's not your personal truck. And therefore, you touch my personal car. Mm-hmm. You should have called me, girl. Oh, no. I didn't. Oh, listen. <laughs> no, listen. I went up one side his tail and down the other. And he had nothing to say. <laughs> you know, and that's the one thing that I feel like us as PAs lack is our voice. Mm. We feel like we are supposed to take things and 
We do not. I was on set the other day and I told Monique, they treated those PAs so disrespectfully. They had those PAs working for almost 12 hours without a lunch break. What? Without a lunch break, over 11 hours. And in the AD department, the PA, no one in the AD department gets meal penalties. And not to mention if there's a walking lunch or a French lunch, the PAs are actually making box lunches for the for entire group. Disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's not okay. And again, how you are gathering this is important as your work as a producer. In a way that you would run a set like not that. Not on my set. Absolutely not. No. And, and I've worked on some sets, uh, Tyler Perry in, in particular, where mm-hmm. Mr. Perry does not go for people not eating. Even background. Like, he will stop production and I've witnessed it. Oh, you didn't eat? Because he, he, will, he will recognize, oh, why are you so lethargic? What's going on? Da, 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 da. Oh, I haven't eaten. You haven't eaten? Why haven't you eaten? Mm-hmm. No one told me that I could go and take a lunch break. Let's stop production. Everyone needs to eat. Mm-hmm. Everyone. I don't care who you are. And that's the one thing that I can respect about that man and the way that he works. Mm. He treats everyone like family mm. and he makes sure that you are taken care of. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's kind of like that, you know, that culture that we had been talking about of, you know, the straight up abusive nature that it can it can have. And this is an industry. This is a workplace. Mm-hmm. And you are able to actually speak up for yourself. There is such a thing as positive confrontation it's not all bad like it's communication exactly what you were saying before you are allowed to communicate yeah and then reach out to your production office there are safety hotlines there are hotlines in hr there should be a hotline that is on your call sheet there should be someone that you can contact anonymously if you're working for a production company a netflix a paramount they definitely have hotlines as a production assistant, you can definitely face-to-face have those conversations. But if you don't feel confident and comfortable, there are anonymous ways. But abuse is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you reported someone on a set and you feel like, oh, I'll never get hired again. If it's justifiable that you should not be treated that way, then there shouldn't be any issue. If we continue to sweep these things under the rug then they will continue to happen. So you want to be a producer, you want to be a director. What is your hope? What do you want to create? Oh my goodness. So like, I've always felt like I'm a messenger and a message will always be follow your dreams, follow your goals, follow your passion, find what that is and walk in that. You never know where it will lead you and who it will lead you to, Mm -hmm. but that's your duty as a human being, to follow your passion. Yeah. Passion doesn't serve you. Passion serves your community. It serves mm-hmm. the people that surround you because this is something that has been put in you for a reason. Me being able, being a producer, I want to produce thought-provoking content, content that makes you feel a certain type of way, make you think a certain type of way, make you, it really makes you say, you know what, I never looked at certain things um, from this perspective, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to do anything that degrades the African-American community. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do anything that degrades African-American women and women Mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I feel like there's enough content out there that's doing that. Mm -hmm. And I want to change that narrative. Yep. Yep. Amazing. Monique? Me. 
Mine's is a little bit more practical. I want to direct and I want to blow stuff up. She wants to spend I my money. I want to flip cards. She wants to spend my I producer money, okay? <laughs> I am an action junkie. My mind is so active when I watch action movies. Mm-hmm. I can watch uh, John Wick. I'm just like, wow, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. First of all, my mind is like, how do you write for that? And then after you write for that, how do you shoot that? So I want to direct action. My first action film was Indiana Jones, Mm -hmm. um, where he was, uh, I think it's like the last crusade with his father and, you Mm -hmm. know, them riding around in that little two uh, passenger buggy. That kind of action was just the beginning for me. But now these movies have so much action in them. I don't know whether or not African-American directors actually do that. Mm. I don't I'm not, you know, standing on a pedestal and saying that I want to be the first. But Mm. I am very, very interested in Mm. in tapping my toe into that that puddle. I want to I want to be Michael Mann. I I was going to say, like they do now. I mean, like you don't know what they do. They do now. Look at you. (laughs) I definitely want to direct action movies, but I want it to have substance and content and I want it to be emotional. I definitely Mm. want to direct projects that I've never seen before. I am just a geek and a nerd about movies and television in this industry in itself. Ah, Well, we want to follow you. So how do people find and follow your work? This is your shameless plug. Well, first, we wanted to make sure that you guys out there understood that we actually have an amazing team of young ladies that work with us. Young ladies that have started with us as interns and lived and slept and bled the book just as much as we have. Mm. And we wanted to make sure that we, you know, gave them the their just due and let yeah, them yeah. know that we really, really appreciate their work. And yes. we really appreciate all the efforts that they put in for First Team Productions. First and foremost, we wanted to make sure that we gave Miss Brooklyn Bates an amazing shout out. Mm. Brooklyn! We also want to give a shout out to Imani Woodard, who is our assistant she is extraordinaire. We forget everything. And we probably would have forgot this interview. <laughs> Make sure you follow Imani at Tattered Exclusives. Um, she's on IG. That's Tattered Exclusives. Um, Brooklyn Bates is at Brooklyn Bates on um, IG. Is that mm-hmm. And then one another amazing young lady that works with us. Her, her name is Whitney Lane. You can follow her at, at Whitney B. Writer on IG as well. So yep. that's how you can follow our team. Yep. Nice. And you can follow us at First, first Team Pros. And First <laughs> is the number. One ST Pros. Um, on Instagram and Facebook, our website where you hopefully will be purchasing the book mm-hmm. is yes. www.firstteampros.com. And first team on the website is the word. Yes, okay. the word RST. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. We will be linking all of those in our uh, on our actual blog post on our website. So anybody who goes and listens to this on our website will have all of those lists of links um, listed below. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, oh, okay. Last question that I always ask everybody: What question should I have asked you? What question should you have asked us? I think the one question that you should have asked us would be, how much do PAs make? 
Oh, ten dollars point seven one four three cents is usually the base, the base minimum. Pay. You okay. go into overtime usually after two and a half days because you, you you're still working your forty hours. Once you get forty hours and you go over, which is really easy to do as a PA because you're always working. Yeah, but usually two and a half days you go into overtime. But okay. yes. $10. Some of them stretch it depending upon the production, but mm-hmm. that is the base rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a 12-hour guarantee, so you get $10 point, whatever I just said, for working 12 hours. Anything mm-hmm. after 12 hours, then you go into overtime. Mm-hmm. I think one question that I think that you should have asked me is the best or the most interesting either set location that you filmed in or area that you worked in. Meaning that I work in Atlanta. So Atlanta is very Southern, but when I worked in LA, Mm. oh my God, every time you turn base camp was sitting on top of a hill, which is rolling like roses here. And just, you could see the skyline and the city lights and at night, three o'clock in the morning, it's just still beautiful because you're like in downtown LA. I love LA. So <laughs> I, think, I think location will really put in the production of the PA's minds. You know, yeah, you get paid peanuts and yes, yeah, some days are really, really rough, but when the lights go up, yeah. that's what you're there for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just got off of production and we were working in this beautiful area and it's southern, so it was cotton fields mm. galore, like mm. just amazing. Yeah, and yeah. It, it was really powerful and meaningful mm. to work in this area because you know that your ancestors and I have ancestry down here in in, in the Georgia area. Mm. So you know that your ancestors were here picking this beautiful crop, mm. and this beautiful crop had has such a meaning a story yeah, yeah. such a story mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. so just being able to 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 film in some amazing places is always mm-hmm. like i've worked on the underground railroad and mm-hmm. with that show with barry jenkins the way that his cinematography is it's just so beautiful mm-hmm. so my call times were always 3 a.m mm-hmm. but when he called action i was in front of a monitor and i was looking at everything just beautiful she's supposed to be in front of the monitor <laughs> i got my first thing uh-uh you are not supposed to be, supposed to be somewhere what's what's the cast is on set honey you're supposed to be somewhere lock it up you over here looking look like you were directed first team doesn't lock up sweepy first team doesn't lock up <laughs> don't listen to monique okay guys don't do that y'all don't do that don't listen to me Oh my gosh. Yes, but listen to her. Listen to both of them. You guys, thank you so much for being on the show. You guys have dropped a wealth of information. And um, also in your book, please, please check it out. It is an amazing book full of all of the practical things that you need to know. Um, Walkie check, good check. Walkie check, good check. If you enjoyed this interview, follow us right here and on Instagram, ask us questions and check out more episodes at thepracticalfilmmaker.com. Be well and God bless. We'll see you next time on The Practical Filmmaker.